Hi folks, a shout out this week to Sharon Pask, who did a review of the Take On Board podcast. Thanks, Sharon. She says, gender pay gap episode, very informative session with Emma Ray. Thank you. Well, thank you, Sharon, for taking the time to do a review. We love to get reviews here. And thanks to Emma for doing that episode. Second announcement for this week. This week we're hearing from Kari Hatch. And listen right through to the end of the episode where she shares resources because not only does she share some resources in the episode itself, but sent me a voice memo afterwards with some additional ones. So there's some gold in there. Radio on with the show. Hi, folks, and welcome to the first interview episode for Take On Board 2021. Today, we're going to be hearing from Carol Sanford about regenerative leadership, and she is a font of wisdom on this. She has literally written the book. And if you listen till the end, you'll hear a special bonus offer from her and a special bonus offer from me. However, for the special bonus offer from her, you'll note that it's, well, maybe some encouragement to buy her book for Christmas presents. And you'll note Christmas has already passed. So I'm going to have my fingers crossed that Carol will still have that special offer, even though you won't be buying them as Christmas presents. Anyway, I know that doesn't make sense right now because you don't know what I'm talking about until you get to the end of the episode. But just know, you know, we will time shift slightly and make it all work. I should say, however, the offer from me still stands. So now on with the show. Hello and welcome to the Take On Board podcast, where we talk all things boards and governance. I'm your host, Halia Svensson. Being on a board can be interesting, valuable and exciting, yet it can also be really lonely, challenging and hard. So here at Take On Board, we'll bring you weekly tips, tricks and advice to help you build your governance wisdom. We'll shine a light on how to navigate your way onto your first board or to build your board portfolio. We'll also help you to work through those challenges that keep you awake at night. Each week, I'll talk to women who have been there, done that, and together we'll discover what we need to take on board to be your best in the boardroom. Today on the Take On Board podcast, I'm speaking to Carol Sanford about the regenerative nature of governing and why it's important to move on from the old paradigm. First, let me tell you about Carol. Carol is on the board of the JL Foundation, which educates and collaborates with other boards to use living systems thinking in educating, decision-making and pursuing change. She's got a huge range of roles. She is the executive producer of the Regenerative Governing Body Community, Senior Fellow of Social Innovation at Babson College, CEO of the Regenerative Paradigm Institute, educator and social change designer for people in change agent roles, organisational leaders who aspire to making a difference, business and organisational teams who are pursuing non-displaceability. And you're going to take us through some of what these terms mean later, Carol. And she is also the author of five best-selling award-winning books, The Regenerative Life, Tra- Transform Any Organisation. I'll make sure I put a link to all of your books in the show notes for today because they are an amazing resource for people. All of her books are built around case studies of specific transformation in people, business, communities, and regions. 
She is also the exec producer of the Regenerative Business Summit. And just because we're on a podcast, she's the producer and the talent for the Business Second Opinion podcast, a podcast I strongly recommend that our community listens into as well. Well, with that amazing list, welcome to the Take On Board podcast, Carol. Thank you. It's so good to be here. Thanks for inviting me. A pleasure. So look, Carol, before we start our conversation today, I always just love to hear a little bit of background about people. Can you tell me a story about young Carol that tells us a bit about how you got to where you are today? Yes, there are a series of them. One of them is how my father chose to punish me when I was a small child. And he was not a nice man anyway, but he was trying to control my thinking. And what he didn't know every time he put me in a closet and locked the door, sometimes for hours to break my spirit was, after a while, it didn't work very well because it gave me time to think and to question. And particularly, I could not understand why my father had opinions which we would now call racist about the people who worked for him. And I couldn't understand why he thought I should think like he could when I saw didn't see the world the same way. Well, that led me to a brief second story, which is when I was in school at the University of California at Berkeley, I met a man named Thomas Kuhn who wrote a book called The Structure of Scientific Revolution. What he did is introduce to all of us the idea that the paradigm we have in our mind determines what we see in the world and how we work on it. And I suddenly understood my father. In fact, it was a way I was actually able to forgive him for some years later, being able to see if you grow up in a family which has that view, it's very hard not to. It's very disturbing when you can't get your child to see what you see. So that tells you everything you need to know about me. Oh my goodness. Well, yeah. And I'm, I'm pleased and, you know, knowing some of your work, not at all surprised that he didn't break your spirit because it's an incredibly strong spirit that's, you know, changing paradigms. It's interesting, you know, how you reflect on how hard it is to change some of those paradigms and views when they've been raised in your family, but yet this is exactly what you have done. So you, you've got that incredible firsthand experience of changing really entrenched views and paradigms yourself. And it's even interesting, gosh, this might not be a good analogy to make, but in the year that we have had, we're recording this in November 2020, and many many of us have had much more containment, shall we say, this year than we are used to from the effects of the pandemic and has maybe given people this year some more time to think and reflect as well. It's a lot like the closet I was put in. People have asked me, how are you doing all of this? You traveled all over the world until December. I was planning to downscale that some anyway, but in some ways, I always used airplanes as time to think, but now I am online with people regularly. I can see what they're missing. I teach in universities in Europe. I work with folks in Australia extensively in New Zealand and Japan, that time zone. And because I don't have to go anywhere, I am able to concentrate. I have been more prolific and I already am a phenomenal producer 
of material thinking and stuff. I will have four books done by if we're out of this pandemic uh, mid next year. The fabulous Dominique Hess is uh, one of the members of the Take On Board community here. And she sent me one of your newsletters, Carol, and said, it would be fantastic to get Carol on the podcast. Uh, And that's how this one came about. And let's just start with what is regenerative business and why is it important to the boardroom? Okay, I want to do one answer that sets the ground for a direct answer to that. Mm. One is what I work with is a regenerative paradigm, Mm. how you think. Now, what I needed was for us to make a major shift on the planet about how we see everything. And I said to myself, where is the most nodal way, the one way if you work there, it could have everything move. And after some years, I came to the idea of business. Originally, I did primary transform businesses, those which take the first thing out of the ground, oil, trees, chemicals, all of that stuff. And I knew that if you move business, you were going to move education, parenting, probably many not-for-profits because they all went copied business. So first, that's one of the reasons business is important. Now, why is the board important? Boards drive what people pay attention to, and it's their job. They're governing, right? That's the whole point, to be governing something. So I knew that I had to build a way for boards to get beyond the way they currently think because they get as much in the minutia as the managers do. They're not really understanding that the paradigm, they could shift the business by shifting their paradigm. There are two overarching paradigms at work in the world right now, and they've been built over centuries, and I've written about it, I've done podcasts, articles, whatever. The first way that we normally think about something is based on the Sir Isaac Newton paradigm of classical physics, which was all about the study of things, even people as things, organizations as things, and breaking it all down in a way that you could study it, hold it still, even our science breaks things apart, fragments. Now, what Einstein called that was the billiard ball theory of change or the billiard ball understanding of the world, which meant the way we see things is everything can only be moved if something moves it. It can't move itself because things can't move themselves. So we hold this image and businesses hold this image and boards hold this image and parents hold this, which is I am a cue stick, you are a cue ball. I'm gonna show you which pocket I wanted you to go into. I'm gonna hit you gently, but directly with training or feedback or some kind of socialization. I'm gonna show you which pocket to go in. I think that's a pretty graphic metaphor if you think about everything you do in the world. So we find board members who are trying to get their executives to change by either threatening with hiring and firing or incentivizing them with a certain amount of money or engaging them in a way that we make very clear what we're measuring. So we have this ongoing paradigm that is direct. Now, that's a 400-year-old paradigm. We have known for a hundred years that it's wrong in relation to people, completely wrong, that we are now in the world of quantum physics, not classical physics, 
we are in the world of the matrix, not the billiard table. So if you ever saw the movie, The Matrix, you know that it was how people got socialized, conditioned, what pill they took, and that that had you didn't have to control people directly. You control their paradigm. Well, mm -hmm. what I do is work with businesses, with boards, and learning to see the quantum. Now it's indirect. So the here's the three things boards need to work. And I had a wonderful, a uh, huge summit yesterday globally with people on boards, three to five people from each board. And we learned what it meant if you were bored and you begin to work in this way. So here's the first thing. Yep. You work on capability, not behavior. We're so used to incentivize, reward, feedback directly. But if you look at someone like your executive or like your committee members, and we had a lot of people who were coming to learn to do this and you say, what capability do they need to do better, to think better, to accomplish something? And how can we do that? You're now working on the matrix in a quantum way. But if you go back and you look at how we incentivize them, cue stick, cue stick, cue ball, moving you, feedback, feedback, pressure. Now we are working with the, the blue pill or red pill. I get those mixed up all the time. First thing, work on capability. Yeah. Secondly, work on culture because the word matrix also applies to the womb, a baby when we're carrying a child. I carried a couple of those, right? And how healthy I was, what I worked on. They even told me what I thought, what I ate. It was creating the matrix for the child I was carrying. Mm -hmm. And in that process, I learned about what it meant to have a field around something. And we know when we're playing a party, for example, we want the environment to be conducive to certain kind. We rearrange furniture, but we can't control the field. We can't control the culture, but we can shape it. We can help create the right kind of things going on. So what if boards worked on measuring the evolution of the culture to produce what they wanted to produce rather than trying to do it directly like acoustic? And there's one last thing, but I think maybe we should come back to that. Let me just see if that's making sense to think about why a board needs to think about the quantum indirect, which yeah. is, is regenerative rather than the direct classical view. Is that making sense to you, Helga? It, it absolutely does. And it's, I mean, it does in a brain breaking type of way because it is such a different way of thinking that kind of you know system and everything related to each other rather than if I just smack you on the head this will all be okay uh, so it's it's a much kind of broader concept to think about and it also makes me think you know for boards those those two areas around capability and, and culture I mean, increasingly, absolutely culture, I think, is on the agenda for boards, increasingly so, and boards are grappling with how to really measure and evaluate and assure themselves and lead and all of those things about culture. It's, it's, it's at least on the agenda now. But it's interesting, I think, to think not just about boards and what, what they should be doing in terms of capability or culture, but also for their own 
Like it's partly for the organisation that they are leading, but also for their own capability and culture. Was it whether it's from the summit yesterday? Was there any reflections from the group there around how that turns around on themselves? Yes. Oh my gosh, there was so much of that. People said, "All right, uh, like we had two different organisations who said this slightly differently, but they said." You know, we're working on quantum issues like culture. We're working on quantum issues like sustainability ecosystem. We're working on things like fair trade. All that is quantum indirect. But the problem is the way we're working on is billiard ball. We get people to set goals and then we track them. We get them to agree to certain deliverables and then we track them. We spend all our time trying to figure out how to incentivize them toward things that if we just had a conversation about it, they would quickly want to do that anyway, and we could get into it together. We are governing the kind of things we care about in a way that is 400 years old. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because of course, the role of boards is so many and varied, but it is, you know, compliance, it is assurance. And many of the systems are set up The oversight in Australia, we have the Australian Securities um, and Investments Commission or the regulatory frameworks and so on around it. So what were the insights from boards yesterday? Let me say something about that because I think those are great examples of traps. Mm. So compliance and certification and oversight are all deeply billiard ball. Mm. Now, We don't have to be owned by that. We have to do that for our government, sometimes for our funders. So we make it a smaller, less driven process. And we say what we're really going to measure and we're going to be guided by is how people are growing, how they're discovering, how they're innovating, trying things out. We're going to be driven by a culture that's uh, not about status for the wrong things, but we're going to figure out what we give status to and get rid of the taboos, put in the right kind of rituals. We're going to do that kind of work. We'll have to have a person, let's do one, assigned to making sure we have oversight and compliance. But those ideas, for the most part, are very small. Mm. What we're our compliance about is to make sure we aren't bad people. Well, let's prove we're not bad people, but let's don't be ruled by it. So that's the other thing that one of the groups said, we spend so much time in filling in certification forms for what our business or in a couple of cases, a not-for-profit is. And because we have to do that and submit it, we become people who are only focused on the things on the certification form. Mm. It's like we forget the system, which we're overall overarchingly guiding. And so I think that's another role of boards to say, what are we holding ourselves accountable for rather than what other people? You'll still have to do that, but give it less weight. That was said over and over again yesterday from people. So, yeah, because you don't want to end up down that rabbit hole. You know, that the whole, well, not the whole, but part of the object of a board is to chunk up and see the big picture and all those sorts of things. So the more down the hole you go, you just see what's in front of you. So who's doing this well? All right. Let me tell you how Jessica Love, Jeff uh, Jail Foundation, which is the only board I ever sat on or ever will sit on. And what it does is works with foundations. 
and we co-fund a little bit, but we do a lot of our funding educating boards about how to think from holes. So for example, one of our primary concerns is that philanthropic organizations with their boards splinter and we have you know, the Rockefeller Foundation who's working with this and the Oppenheimer Foundation who's working with that. And you can get a list of hundreds, thousands, probably millions, all who go into the same city, all with a door they enter. And you have these people jumping through hoops and you fragmented them. So what Jessica's love does is we work on getting something called a story of place that becomes a nodal guiding aspect. So if you go to a place like McAllen, Texas, and you do a story of place, you find that the story of place means you go back and it's indigenous history and it's biological, hydrological, it's settlement patterns, and you understand what makes McAllen what it is and actually the whole Delta that it's in. And what we find is they have always been from the founding when Mr. McAllen came, they have always been looking at bringing together diverse thinking. So Mr. McAllen married a Mexican woman. And from henceforward, he said, all people should assume all perspectives matter and they should be brought together. That community is now working on creating much of its new business, its international business, on being the example of what it means to be fair trade systemically. Not we'll pick one or two things, but how do we go look at a community and figure out whether we're fair trading with that community because we think the diversity that, that comes there is important. So now you can build economic development. I did that in um, Vancouver, BC, looking at the Lummi tribes and how what the story had been and how it had been dropped out of what the, the governing bodies there considered. So mm -hmm looking at how it is that instead of splintering, the billiard ball always splinters. There's one pocket and then the next pocket and then the next pocket. And you got 10 people on 10 pockets or a thousand people on a thousand. Instead, what you want are people who are doing it well. And I believe Jessica's love is teaching people how to do that. So the city of Santa Fe, New Mexico, the city of McAllen, which I just mentioned, one in Rochester, New York, some in Pine Bluff, it's not Arkansas, South Dakota maybe, they are starting with story of place so that they can work on the quantum, the indirect. How do you have something that uses this indirect idea of the story of this place as a whole? And you have all of these entities working together, including business, not-for-profit, advisory directors, associations which have many in them they come together and so if you go to i can give you a regenesis website regenesisgroup.com and they've got many of these stories that uh they can give you more on i work with the boards but that one had the boards and the businesses and <laughs> so many together so i hope that's a good picture to think about what are people doing that makes it whole and indirect? So I think I'm hearing there, you know, it's that place and all of the different parts of the place coming together and really building on that, you know, as you put it, the story of place and working together. I'm wondering, you, you said much earlier that you'd worked with organisations in extractive, essentially, oil, trees, 
uh, chemicals and so on. How are they going on on incorporating some of the some of the new paradigm? Okay, this is a perfect. You have one idea, new paradigm, but I'm going to give you what I did with them. You're going, wait, that wasn't what I meant. Because you're thinking about their extractive, we want to make them not be extractive. So I never mentioned to them they shouldn't be extractive. They Mm -hmm. go, what? Say what? You must tell them they're bad people. I said, no. What I do is educate them on how systems work. So one of the stories in my first book is a DuPont mining where they were leaving trailings in Australia. And since that's where you are, maybe some of you know something about Chad Holiday said, come in and work with us because we all feel like we're not doing this the right way, but we don't know how, but that's as far as they'd gone. So I taught them how to find the essence of the mineral titanium they were looking for, which it turns out they were using a very old paradigm about how you get to it, which meant they had to take down 90% of a mountain to get 10% I'm rounding and leave all the trailings and the rivers and so forth. In that process, I said, all right, if we worked on the essence of what you're trying to take, and by the way, we could say we should have no titanium, but that means you can't wear that white blouse, you yeah. cannot wear makeup, you cannot eat Oreo cookies, you cannot paint your walls, it's in everything. But we in that process invented, we, I had nothing to do with it, but the education part. And in that process, after we could see what a better way to do it for the innovative thinking of essence. They went, wait a minute, this just took care of all that trash we leave behind. And it changed how we look at mountains. It changed how we think about deep well. They went and got laws passed in the US to make it illegal. They proposed the law to make it illegal to do deep water injection because they now knew that was not a good idea. They worked with the local communities to rebuild and go into parks. But I never once said to them, you are bad people. I instead educated. Remember, my first thing was capability. Mm -hmm. They couldn't see their impact. And so we think they're bad people. I said, you know, I've never met. There probably are some, but I've never met a bad business leader. I met some who are missing some capability to think systemically. I educate them based on what they want to work on. That's the indirect. They transfer it within a year, maybe less, into everything they're doing because they can't not see systemically. So the paradigm shift is from fragmented, where I can't see the effects and what I'm doing, to systemic. Oh, I do this and all of that happens. So. That's how I work. And I did with DuPont, then we ended up working with the board of directors, again, another board. And what we did is, uh, Chad, I say we, because I always buy stock in them and you know I become kind of a member of the family. But what we did is educated the board of directors through community groups, which were formed that were made up of citizens, ministers, business people, families. And they were looking at each segment of the business, what they were literally called segments, fragments, in other words, of like the mining part, the intermediate chemicals, the freon. And these people were invited to come educate the board without advocacy. If they had come in and said, change this, change that. What we said, just bring them a picture of what's happening. Do it as neutrally as you can. We worked with that. And when we did it and I could educate them about how to play with it, Mm 
and they didn't have to defend themselves. They helped form the UN Global Compact. Oh. Which had every, and all of that came out of starting with the mining into how we worked with the board. Now, the minute the Chad Holiday was gone and the next CEO came in, she started undoing a lot of it because she had been brought in from another company and not been a part of the education. So the thing was though, thousands of people in DuPont spread out, formed their own businesses. They went out into other companies as leaders, including Gore-Tex. And in that process, they begin to change things. So I'm never working on what's just in front of me. Yeah. I'm working on all those people who are going to be thinking differently, go out and them understanding things that if I'd been pointing to one thing, they would have never seen. Don't be a billiard. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And that the change that comes from that is so much more, so much greater than as well, because they all, yeah, I was going to say bounce around, but that's, that's too billiard ball. It oh. is. Yeah. yeah good I catch. And that's what I do. If I give you the metaphor, we talk about you learn to catch yourself. I don't need to say, did you see you made a billiard ball comment? Shame on you, right? Oh, okay. This is going to be a good exercise for my brain. Carol, I knew this would happen. There is so much to talk about. I'm going to come to our summary in a minute. But before I do that, much earlier on, you said at the summit yesterday, there was three things that were talked about capability and culture and then you said I'll come back to the third thing and you know my sense of curiosity won't let me finish until I know what that is <laughs> you planted the seed and I'm back for it the third one is consciousness but mm-hmm. it means consciousness of two things one is the fact that we live in a world of nested holes we are not alone. Everything we do is interacting, but we are not taught how to see that. Like that's part of what I was doing with DuPont. Just look at the effects. I didn't say you're bad about them. And how do you feel about those? The other thing is learning to see holes, not fragments, and learning to see worlds that we literally can see it. So the paradigm of billiard ball is at a different world. And you see one thing trapped in that world and another when you can go to the quantum indirect world. We see everything is flat, it's all equal, a little this, a little that. We have to learn to have consciousness that the choice we're making about the worldview we have to view something from. So I spend a lot of time educating, writing, doing podcasts, everything I can to educate people so their conscience has consciousness and it has an ability to see the worlds. And If you can work on those three things, capability, and that means living systems thinking capability, personal development, and that means in order to be self-managing, and then you can go work on culture, which we don't have time to go through, and consciousness, you're now a quantum physicist in the world of business and the board of directors. Oh my gosh, what a beautiful summary. I was going to ask you the main things you want people to take away, but I think you have just summarized it there beautifully. And I loved that conscience has consciousness. It's, yeah, yeah, beautiful. Oh, we've already talked about some of the resources that we will put in the show notes, but is there a particular resource you would like to share with the Take On Board community so that they can advance some of their thinking about these concepts? Well, I can tell people that if they would buy five copies of The Regenerative Life and give them as Christmas gifts, they can also add in there 
that on, and I've forgotten the date, but I'll give you my emails because you're going, if you send me the receipts of the five names you give them to, the five and the, the emails, I will invite them to a two hour uh, event I'm going to run where people can actually ask me questions about the regenerative life in advance. I will run a two hour webinar for them. Uh, so, Carol at carolsanford.com. It's all about me. You should be able to remember that. And so if you buy five books as Christmas gifts, send me the receipts, give me their emails. And when you give it to them, say, you're going to get to meet with Carol. You're going to spend, you're going to send her your questions in advance. That would cost them if they tried to pay me what an executive pays me is $10,000. So you just gave a $10,000 gift to each of your five people if you want to do that. That is amazing. And in fact, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give five of your books to the first five people that contact me after listening to this podcast. So take on board, people. The first five people who email me about getting Carol's book, I'm going to send you the book and I'm going to send Carol your emails and we'll all be part of that conversation together. So that sounds awesome. I will, I'll organise that. But folks, if you're listening, if you're one of the first five, let's all be part of that together. And likewise, those that aren't part of the first five, buy them as Christmas presents for others. That sounds like a magnificent idea. So firstly, Dominique, if you're listening, thank you so much for suggesting Carol. Uh, This has been a wonderfully brain-expanding, brain-breaking conversation that will continue to bounce around in my brain for quite some time and I think probably for others that are listening to it. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Take On Board podcast today and um, I look forward to coming back to that conversation in the future after with some of the Take On Board community. Great and please post things because I'll tell people how I even connect in Australia for anyone who's there. Thank you so much. Hi there, it's Helia. That's a wrap for the Take On Board podcast today. I do this podcast because I love bringing good women together. So it's great to be able to share these conversations that I'm having with these amazing group of women with you. Now, can I ask a favour? Could you share this podcast with someone you know? Perhaps you can share it with some of your board colleagues or someone else that you know that's interested in exploring all things boards and governance. With your help, we can grow the Take On Board community. Last but not least, if you want to continue the conversation, you can also join us over in the Take On Board Facebook group where there's lots of great discussions, tips, tricks and resources being shared. I would love it if you can join in the conversation there. You can find it by searching Take On Board in Facebook. Thanks for listening and tune in next week for another fabulous conversation. 